0: Welcome back to the Rebuildable Podcast. I'm Matt Gentile alongside Drew Stevens. Drew, how's it going, man?
1: I mean, I'm on top of the world. I mean, we all are, right? The Patrick I'm, I'm, Beverly experience has yielded uh, two wins. <laughs> the Bulls are, uh, you know, they they have been the greatest defensive team in the world since January 1st, apparently, and have only gotten better with Patrick Beverly in the lineup. So forget all of what I was saying before. The Bulls are, are destined for NBA in for for the NBA finals, I should say.
0: Yeah, I, I know, right? Like it just in the matter of two games, it all turned around. Uh real quick, I, I just want to get before I share my thoughts on that, my real thoughts, um, quick <laughs> note. If you notice listeners, you probably didn't hear any music or bumper leading into this podcast. You won't hear it at the end. I am actually at a work conference in Palm Springs, California right now. So um, I'm working with some limited tools. Realized I had forgot my personal computer to do all the the usual edits I like to do. So apologize for that, but we're still here. Still have high quality sound with this lovely uh, blue snowball mic too, which Drew Drew sees on camera right now. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I just uh, apologize for the inconvenience. If you love to hear "Serious" by the Alan Parsons Project, playing through your headphones or through your speakers. Couldn't make it happen this time around. But to get back to the whole Pat Beverly stuff, um, you know, we were kind of we predicted this, though. We both said there'd be this this initial surge happening after the first two games like you and I looked at the way the schedule was lining up. and said this is like the prime opportunity when this happens. This usually happens when you make an acquisition like this. Um, especially one that could shuffle the lineup the way Pat Beverly has. And I think I will say that has been one thing that I've liked from this. And I mentioned on the last episode about Ayudusumu moving to the second unit, having um, Patrick Beverly take that spot, but the other move Billy Donovan made Alex Caruso going to the starting lineup and Patrick Williams going to the bench. Now, I think there's positives from that. What do you think, Drew? Do you like that that shuffle up that, that we've seen these first two games of the Patrick-Beverly experience?
1: I, I do like it um, for the simple fact that you've got two guys in that lineup who are pretty much their fully formed selves. You know, you love Ayo and and Patrick Williams and what we think they can grow into being, but um, – at this stage in their careers, you know, there's there's still growing pains. You still don't quite know what you're going to get from either one of them on a night-to-night basis. With Patrick Beverly and, and Alex Caruso, you have two guys who, although they're not, you know, the greatest three-point shooters or offensive players in the world, they're very smart. Um, they communicate. One of the things that we've heard coming out of these first two games since the all-star break is how much more this team is communicating on the defensive end, making sure guys are in the right positions. And I think that has everything to do with those two guys being in that lineup and making sure that the big three or just anybody on this team are are in a better position to help each other. Um, I think that goes a long way. For whatever reason – Io DeSumo and, and Patrick Williams have not been great with the big three together. Um, they've played 587 minutes together this season, and their net rating is only 1.1. For whatever reason, they're better, DeSumo and Patrick Williams, when they're apart from each other, when they're playing with those, those big three. Um, so I think that there's something, something to be said about just having two guys who play defense at a pretty elite level, particularly with Alice Caruso. I know Patrick Beverly is not maybe not quite the defender he used to be, but it just, I think, settles things down. Um, you know, Patrick Beverly is not a traditional kind of point guard, but it's just another guy out there who is experienced and can get guys where they need to be and – um you know, that lends itself to what we've seen these first two games. Say what you want about the Brooklyn Nets and the Washington Wizards, but, you know, had they lost those games, we'd be killing them. So you got to give them credit for what they've been able to do so far.
0: You know, I agree. And look at this too is you got to look at these moves right now in a vacuum. I I get there's probably some in Bulls Nation right now that are are just really cynical and and you and I had that whole session the last episode, but – You know, we do have to look at some of these things in a vacuum, and I'd say within these first two games, you have to give credit where it's due. You know, we've seen that on the defensive end of the floor, too. Um, The Bulls have been pretty solid defensively this year, but you saw in the last two games, like, this is the team they have to be, right? They have to stay true consistently to playing consistent defense and play with a lot of energy on the offensive side of the floor, and – be in the spots they need to be in. And you did see that in the last two games. You know, one thing i also said in the last episode, Drew, I tease that we're going to have some good guests as we round out the season. And I'm happy that we're going to take this, this dynamic duo, you and I, and we're going to turn to a three-man weave here. And I want to welcome in uh, one of your colleagues from ONTAP Sports. Yes. Um, one of my favorite guests to have on, the rebuildable podcast because usually he's cracking open some beers so let's let's bring him in now from on tap none other than Buzz on tap Buzz how's it going I I, I brought the beers I brought the
2: beers we're gonna crack them we're gonna get it going we're gonna talk bulls basketball on an off night so I'm excited Let, let's make it happen nice
1: my brother yeah, Buzz I think he- this be like the first um kind of like public forum that you and I have actually. Been able to talk about the bulls on. We do some behind the scenes stuff, obviously. Well, besides, long- our,
2: besides our texting every day, yeah. 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 <laughs> Absolutely. You know, I mean, we got to make this happen more often. We got, like it's just hard because you know, like bulls on tap is a po- It's the post game show and something that we got completely away from was doing like what you guys. That's why I listen to you guys all the time because you talk about like the bigger picture stuff. And usually when we start talking bigger picture, it's just a rant. You know. <laughs> So we're like breaking down the game, but then we get into a rant. When I talk, like listen to you guys, you're like breaking things down, and that's why I like this show so much. It's in my regular rotation of podcasts. I'm not a big podcast listener, and I've said that in the past, but this is the one that's actually on my phone. <laughs> so I rock with it. Hey, Damn, man, well, okay. That's
1: the same. Those, those rants that you and, you and Goose on tap go on are, are terrific, man. So
2: I appreciate hey, it. I,
0: I like when he gets <laughs> mad. It's fun. You know, it, it's fun for me. Oh, some of the stuff, some of the stuff leading into the deadline was gold. Chef's kiss. Yeah. I was was
2: frustrated, Matt. I was frustrated. You know, I mean, they, they didn't do anything. And I was like, I'm sitting here like texting Drew all day, all day. I'm texting. I'm like, something's going to happen. And then Zach report with the Knicks come out. And I'm like, I'm team blowing up. I'm sure we'll get into that. But, and then it didn't happen. And I was like. Yeah, that was Mike Gold. I don't really say I have a lot of that, but I thought me and Goose did a pretty good job because I, I lost it.
0: Yeah, and you know, it's it's funny. So, Drew, if, I don't know if you went back at any point and listened to an old episode or if you had listened to it when it happened, but um, I had a, a, a panel discussion leading into the 2021 season, and it was with Saleem Suterala from Bulls Gold, Matt Peck, uh, who at the time was with Lockdown. Now he's with... Um, you know, the uh, CHGO podcast and buzz was on and we were all at that point. I think literally Acme could have left flaming dog shit on our doorstep and we would have been happy. We might've eaten it. We were so happy during that episode. And it's just funny how the script has flipped in in that amount of time. It's just, it's nuts because hearing your like tone and tender now buzz, it's, it's crazy how times have changed in just a short amount of time.
2: Well, yeah. I mean, and again, I want to reiterate, like I don't want them fired or anything, you know, like I respect the swing and I've made sure I've stated that in articles over and on tap. I've made sure I've said that within the podcast, I respected the swing. I wouldn't change the swing. A lot of other people would, they wouldn't have traded for Vooch. Yeah, dude. Sure. Hindsight's 2020 20. luck's for losers. You know what I'm saying? Like they took a swing. They made it happen, and it didn't work out for 35 games. You better believe I was talking DefCon Five stuff. You know, I was I was trolling everybody who was saying. I mean, because 35 games, Alonzo with the team, they were unstoppable. They were great. It was fun. I have season tickets. I'm at every weekend game. I'm lit in 328, crying of tears of joy, and then all of a sudden it comes crashing down to hell. And that's something you can't blame them on. You can't blame them for injuries. I don't think you guys would do that here. I wouldn't do that here. I think the one thing we would question them on though is, holy crap, like if Lonzo was really the driving factor, you really put it into a guy that's like never played above sixty games <laughs> sixty five games in his career. like that could be very questionable for sure. but all the injuries and all that stuff, I let that go. But what I haven't let go is them being so stagnant and making moves um to improve the team. Now, I guess I'm going to eat my words because apparently Patrick Beverly is god and he's out here balling like unbelievably and I don't like he's made the team amazing and fun. I mean, I know the Washington game wasn't aesthetically pleasing, but like damn, dude. They they scored like 82 points. We have the best defense in the league. He's been here two games. So I'm back on my I'm I'm back talking shit again. You know, like I'm just I'm going to keep talking. I think they're going to win the championship and that's it because why not, you know? Yeah. You, you just brought it up. You
1: you were one of the first people, I think, that was ready to just blow this thing up because of how poorly they were playing, because of the inconsistency, the up-and-down play, especially with the lack of, like, urgency, too. Mm-hmm. A couple of times where we thought, you know, they, they might have found something, and it just ended up um, being not much of anything. That being said, with 21 games left uh, to play, is there anything they can do within this next portion of the schedule for you to consider this season a success?
2: Do they got to win all 21 in a row? I'm serious. Like, I mean, that's where I'm at. I don't care. Don't miss me with the 17 and 6 or 17 and 8 or whatever. it well, was. I don't, I don't want to hear that. I don't. I don't. Like, I, am, I was told they, the goal was improvement. Now, if you're gonna tell me they're gonna count though, if they get in, if they get into the plane and they win the plane and they consider that a playoff series victory, I'll go play Frogger on I80 right now. I'm, that that's not that's not a victory, that's not a moral victory. It's not. You were supposed to get in and win. That is what you were supposed to do. You knew you were gonna have Lonzo, you knew all of that. I, I still want him losing out. Am I going to cheer for Pat Bev because he cracks me up and he's from Chicago? you damn right I am because I love the guy. He's from Chicago. We support our own here, no doubt about it. But I want them to lose out, and I'm not going to lie to anybody. You have a lot of other people from publications saying they don't want them to, and that's fine. They are they're they can have their opinions. I am 31 years old. You see these signs behind me? You see this White sock sign? You see the bull sign? I don't really care about hockey so much. But the Bears, I'm surrounded by mediocrity and failure. It's no wonder why I drink beers. Like you know, like I I can't cope with it. I, I I'd rather have a forty two percent chance at the at a top four pick and I steal that pick back from Orlando than I would a play in loss victory or a first round exit. And I I'm sorry, I don't see championship team from them, dude. And that's what I want. People sometimes say, oh, we just want to watch good hoop. Then buy NBA league pass. You get it for you can you get it on you know sale during the middle of the year for like forty nine ninety nine. You watch all the great games you want. You know, I, I don't want to see it here. I want a legitimate championship contender. That is who I want. You know, and, and and this squad currently constructed, ain't it? And and that's it, in my opinion.
0: All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna go old school rebuildable on you. I and love it. I'm gonna put you, I'm gonna put you in the seat of Acme right now. Oh, actually, not right now. Okay, good. When the Bulls get bounced from the play-in tournament, okay. <laughs> So I'm going to make it really hard on you here, Buzz. Yeah. What's your plan, though, if you had to turn things around? You don't have to get, like, really detailed, but in a – I guess in summary, what would you try to do to, to turn it around as currently constructed, just getting bounced from the plan?
2: Okay, so I'm going to try to sign Nikola Vucevic because I think he works good with a young team. I think he's going to be at that point in his career where he still is effective. I think you guys would admit that, too. He's still an effective player, still a very good player. I try to bring him back as cheap as I could. Um, if, you know, obviously he has to be willing because he's unrestricted free agent. Um, I'm trading Zach in tomorrow. I've said it on Bulls on Tap. I'm saying it here too. Everybody, you know, again, everybody can sit here. Well, look what Zach does. It's not consistent enough for me, man. Superstars do it every night, every night. And th- this guy doesn't do it every night. And I love Zach. I- I've never said I didn't like Zach. He's not in my top five favorite Bulls, but he's a good Bull. You know, I he- he's done okay. He's got a max contract. He earned that max contract. And I'll say that here on the show right now. He earned it. He, he did real well in those two years leading up to this, you know, to this moment for him. But again, I'm looking at a guy who's making 40 plus million dollars on my team. He's not going to be – I don't think he can be the second best player on my championship team. And I'm saying championship. I'm not talking about a team that's flirting with 500. I'm talking about a championship team because that's what I want to see personally. I'm using any value I can get out of DeMar and Zach. Any, anybody who has any sort of value, I am moving. I'm moving them. I, again, what are, what are we going to do? We're, we're going to hope for free agents? We're going to hope for Kevin Durant when he's 73 years old to come here or something? Like, I don't know what we're going to do anymore. Like that was a whole thing. Oh, Kevin loves Zach. He might he might request a trade to Chicago. That worked out real damn well, didn't it? He's where it's warm and it's not freezing every morning. You know, like I'm just, I, dude. I I'd be going for young picks, and I know it's an old school rebuildable thing. But do you play 2K at all?
0: Oh, th- that's how I modeled this whole thing. I mean, I nah, see the, me too. The birth the birth of the podcast really came from my obsession doing re-simulations and just redoing Ross. Not even playing a game, just rebuilding. No, I barely played the fucking games. Me too, I dude! Do, I do simcasts, if I wanted to. Yep, yep. But, yeah, I know, now Now people are going to look at this like, oh god, like, but you, oh, know, you what? know what? They, they can look at it and say that all they want. They do the same shit. You know what, here, I, like, in the spirit of us, they can kiss my ass. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway. Um But, you know what, though? Like, I do think there's a way to, like, the way that you're kind of painting it, it has a long-term outlook, but I almost feel like it's it's almost like a one-year retool of almost like what you're kind of proposing there. Because it's a lot of re- recouping assets, and some of those assets that you're trading, like a Zach and a DeMar, probably going to fetch you draft capital plus salary that you're going to get back, and there, there could be intriguing pieces you're bringing back to that, too.
2: Yeah, that's, that's what I was kind of looking at. I wanted to see some young uh, players that have potential coming back with a pick, if possible. Um, you know, and again, I brought up the 2K thing because I'm lame, but I drafted the Thompson Twins, you know, and I, have, uh, I signed Fred Van Vliet in the offseason. I have Vooch still here. Um, you know, and I kind of rode with those guys and I, Oh, I, I got shade and sharp. I tried damn hard, dude. I gave up every second round pick. I had in my life in that trade in 2k, but I got them. And I know that's not going to happen in real life. I know that. But I, again, man, if, I'm, I'm to a point now where my optimism as a fan and how I was in the past is more clouded by realness and what I actually expect to happen. And I can't allow myself to be like, Oh, well, they can do this because every time I do that, I end up like crying or something. Like I'm, I'm just tired of it, dude. Like we, it's like the, Oh, it's a close, but no cigar. It's the brass ring that you can't touch. It's always like that. And it's frustrating. So I am full on board for Acme doing it their way. And it's still so confusing to me how they did it. I, I, again, I, I love the swing, but me and Drew have talked about this before. Both of their backgrounds were pretty draft centric. And then they come out just trading everything and it's just like you know how do you not respect it but at the same time you're like oh man if this blows up you're in trouble and i that's where they're kind of at every outlet i hear dude is basketball hell and i just really don't want to be in basketball hell again and it sucks so i'd rather tank than have a team that's you know what what are we right now 27 and 33 is that what we are
1: 28 after 28-33 uh, yeah,
2: and we're 11 in the Eastern Conference. I'd rather have a team like the Spurs with Pop than I would these Bulls, not even joking it. Uh,
1: I mean, it, it's, it's hard to argue with you, and, you know, it took me a long time, man, but during the All-Star break just kind of looking at the opportunities or the, the chances they had to possibly sneak into that top four versus a play-in game or two, and I was really leaning like, man, you guys – I just really want to see this team try to salvage the season the best way they can. And to me, it would have been trying to get that, trying to save that draft pick. Um, I think that they really missed an opportunity not trading DeMar DeRozan possibly earlier in the season. Um, I think now that you're going into the summertime, I don't know what his value is going to be, but it can't be any higher, anywhere near what it would have been at this trade deadline. I've been against them, not against, but I think of the big three, I was I was more in a position where I wanted them to keep Zach mm-hmm. as kind of that 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 stalwart or the last remaining piece, just because he's the youngest guy, his game still translates well, and he can pair with a lot of different people because he can um, shoot so well off the catch. He still can get to the rim. Um, just got to stay healthy and, and clean up his turnovers and his. His um, decision making, which we kind of been saying that for, for years now. But now it seems like they're in a position where they almost have to trade him in order to kind of get this thing moving in a better direction. To that point, there's a guy in Atlanta that you hate with a passion. Oh, no, dude. Who, who continues, who continues yes. to
0: have yes. coaches
1: let and go. Him and Zach make the same amount of money. They have the same amount of money left on their deals. They have a player option before the 26-27 season. Would you be in on a Bulls-Hawks trade involving Zach Levine and Trey Young? Is this like a
2: straight swap?
1: It it probably couldn't be a straight swap because I I think everybody would agree that Trey's value is is higher than Zach's. and If I was a Hawks, I'd be trying to get more than just – Zach Levine, but would you be up for that type of deal where those two guys are the main pieces?
2: You see, this is why I don't think I could ever do this for a living is because I'm such an ass. You know, I I have so many biases. You know, I'm just being honest with you guys. I have so many biases, but for the sake of this show and how much I love it, I'm going to put those to the side. Trey, I don't like Trey. Um, I don't like his, I don't like the the flopping. I don't like the jumping into people. I don't like that. Like I, I could picture Trey young playing 2001 basketball and taking a bow from Allen Iverson for being a pussy. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I said that. I hope we can bleep that out. Um, I just, I don't like Trey young so much, but what I do like about him guys is no one can say that he cannot orchestrate an offense. You can't say that he plays well with the big men. He's, he could play well with other wings. I, I think that he would be a good – he's younger. You know, he's a player that you can kind of get that second chance on a build on. Um, I just – God, I personally, me, I don't like him. But – I and I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't think I'd give more than just Zach. I wouldn't. I mean, if I can go on the NBA trade machine and see what it looks like, if – I can just do that. I do a clean swap, but if they were asking me for a pick, I tell them to pound sand, dude, I ain't playing like, I'm not, I'm not giving anything more for Trey. I'm not, I'm not because what has he done? What has he done? He's, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, and he's had a pretty, he's had some good teams. I mean, he's gone farther than Zach has no doubt, but still, I mean, he had a really good team around him as well. So I'm not, I'm not going to give up too much for Trey young, but I would be, I'd listen to a trade proposal around it and try to work it out. I think, Um but again, like you, I do want to point out something. Like if I had, like, yes, I said I would trade Zach and DeMar. If you told me I had to move one of them, I am 100% with you. It would be DeMar. If I had to move one of them, if you gave me the decision that it has to be one, I'm going to do DeMar because he's, and I love him too. And it sucks to say that. I feel bad when I say it, you know, because he, he has been so good here. And he's been so like, think about how he just shot to be a fan favorite, all NBA all-star like that is awesome at age 33 I'm 31 and I feel like death you know like so this guy out there balling like this is amazing it's just I would hate to get rid of him like that man because I just I think if we send him to a contender or something I'd be happy for him if that was possible you know because I don't want to just send him to some shit team after everything he did for two years I would feel bad as a fan I understand the business side of it but as a fan I'd feel terrible
0: you know, I'm actually kind of curious, what, what do you think Zach Levine could fetch you on the open market? Like, we heard that Knicks trade of possibly three first rounders. I think it was, um, I remember the name's floating around, like Quentin Grimes was floating around, Obi Toppin's name was floating around. I liked that. Um, yeah, like, I thought that was a cool trade package if they could pull that off. And you kind of wonder, like, if that's possible come summertime, because usually these trade deadline talks kind of set you up for the summer. Um but what do you think what do you, what do you think could Zach could fetch on the open market could he fetch more than that this last 21 22 games are going to be
2: very telling you know or 23 games it's going to be very telling like if he look what he's doing in the month of like January and February you know he's been good he hasn't been bad he's getting his percentages back up there doesn't look terrible again nothing that says he's the guy or anything like that but he's he's he, he he's shooting well and he's putting the ball in the hoop that's his job. he's doing it um I think he can get two first round picks maybe a young player and a a contract that you have to match you know just to make it all work I've kicked the tires a million times on the on that uh well as far as DeMar goes on that Memphis trade I was convinced they were going to come out of nowhere and trade for DeMar DeRozan I I don't know why I had told myself that but I really believed my shit and it didn't happen but I, I would like to see Zach go obviously whoever gives us the best package but I've I keep going over to Portland because of this Dame shit. I think that they're going to do something stupid because they, I, how do you not build around him? How, how do you not build around him? You've had him for years. He's been in a league since 2011. He was drafted with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis was the first pick. Dame was like, what, like three, four rookie of the year. And you still haven't done nothing for him. Nothing. CJ McCollum, Anthony Simons, Nurkic? What the? I don't get it, dude. I don't get it, but maybe send him over there and give me Shade and Sharp. That's who I really want. It's bad. I have a problem.
0: Actually, I don't know if you know this, but uh Dame Limer might want to come to Chicago and, and play with Zach Levine.
2: Okay, yeah, sign me up, yeah.
0: yeah. I'm also just kind of fucking with you, though.
2: That's cool. I'm, I'm glad you did that because I got happy for a minute. So, you know, I am like, like let's
0: do it. Well, just, just like KD wanted to come here to play with Zach. I think, I think Dave wants to do the same.
2: No one wants to come here, man.
0: We got to build this shit organically.
2: How old, I mean, we're all around the same age. I mean, we, who's come here? Carlos Boozer, you know, like, I mean, you no know, pow. I like, I don't know, man. I mean, I just, who comes here?
1: DeMar DeRozan, but that, that probably was all financially based. I'm sure.
2: I know that doesn't bring a title. Okay, I and mean, we we I think we can all assume here that does not bring a title. But would you argue outside of like who Marion Hosa maybe for the Hawks that Demar Derozan's been the best free agent acquisition in Chicago sports history? I mean, the guy is awesome. You know, uh, I don't know if I could put
1: him above Candace Parker just because when she came, they're able to. to that's uh, very true. That's follow. true.
0: That yeah, that's yeah. True. Um, top five. Well, yeah, yeah I would, top five. I, I mean, I would go at least in the top three right off the the top of my head would be hosa hosa for Parker, sure and then i'd say julius peppers because if you remember oh. julius peppers he came in had some big seasons for the yeah, Bears. yeah he did he Parker. did
2: that's a good, no that's good you're right i think that's a good one john lester too and i'm not a cub guy but that was a, yeah that, oh
0: that yeah. was a big yeah See, now
2: that we're kicking the tires on it actually yeah.
0: I, I go <laughs> ooh, i i might re i might shuffle that list up then i might go hosa one lester two parker three peppers four i I, didn't, I don't know why i've always said about john lester being one of the biggest free agent signings. yeah he so. was definitely but even if i mean these these teams have lasted over a hundred years and Demar wrote
2: you know and we can only name five that impacted anything so you know it's just it's wild but i, I would definitely say demar tops top five top six he's been great and again it was huge for his career um but I, I love, dude. I'd love that though. Like that Dame Lillard thing. I know it was bullshit, but man, that'd be cool. I just want something cool, man. Like, give me some young talent. Like give me some somebody athletic. Give me something proven. Try it again. Run it back. But there's not enough assets to run it back. That's the thing. We traded let, all the picks. Let, let me ask
1: you this: as somebody who, as we can tell from your background, is a fan, unfortunately, of two teams who are owned by Jerry Reinsdorf, man, like how that. do you how do you balance? your fandom knowing that the owner is only going to give so much to each of those teams, each of those franchises in terms of how many ships he's going to push to the middle of the table to, to win a title.
2: Uh, alcohol, probably.
0: I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just kidding, man. I'm just
2: joking. Uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. I was just, I was just raised that way. You know, I mean, my, I come from blue Island, you know, I mean, just little, They were just south of Chicago and my dad is a Sox guy. My dad's a Bulls guy. When I was growing up, man, we lived, I shit you not, we lived in a one-bedroom trailer after my mom had left. And, you know, it was just a single father home is what I grew up in. And we lived in a one-bedroom trailer, no air conditioning, nothing like that. But, damn it, we had Bears and Bulls season tickets, all right? You know, that's priorities, man. So, like, you know, I grew up loving those teams. And, like, that's what I've always been into. Like, the Sox upset me every day. Like, I mean, I just, it's, it's hard. And I have to do Sox on tap. You know, and that's brutal. Nine innings of ass coming off of, you know, a year of where the Bulls were supposed to be good and aren't. And then I go right into that. It, it's terrible. But as, as far as him being an owner, baseball, I can't talk too much crap, Drew. You know why? Because they were top seven in baseball. Jerry spent. Rick Hahn didn't allocate the money where he should have. As far as the Bulls go, I don't like how they never take advantage of everything that's there for them. And that that is something that drives me nuts. Like you know, the selling off of the second round draft picks, and never taking you know full advantage of an MLE or something like that. It's very frustrating as a fan to to see that. So I just kind of my stubbornness and my upbringing are are what keep crack them or what keeps me fans of you know uh, of the teams. But it, it's very hard having Jerry own your two favorite teams in the city. It's pretty rough.
0: It's pretty rough. Yeah. You know, it's it's interesting. Drew and I have been talking about um I've really been looking at like big picture approach approach with, with the bulls lately and in a few episodes I've used the terminology that the bulls want to get from point A to C. Okay. And I'm I'm actually stealing a Jerry Reinsdorf term, by the way, that he or I think he and or maybe it was Jerry Krause that used this term when they uh they fired Doug Collins and went to Phil Jackson, Right. You know, Hey, Doug took us from point A to point B, but now we need a coach to take us from B to C. Mm-hmm. And it's like right now the, the organizational philosophy of the Chicago Bulls is let's get to A to C and they're not using any of the tools. And I think this is the most frustrating part, any of the tools at their disposal to take them from B to C. Cause we're seeing a bunch of teams around the NBA use their MLE, go into the luxury tax, operate over the tax. And they just seem to think like, well in order for us to be championship contenders you know like we need to acquire that star piece but in order to do that you have to use a lot of capital and a lot of flexibility to take you from a to b and that might include going into the luxury tax and maybe being a repeat offender but I don't know. They, they haven't embraced that yet. And I I don't know if it's ever going to happen or what it's going to take for them to realize, like, you're going to have to operate at some point over the cap or, or even entertain the idea of doing it. There was an article
2: that we wrote over it on tap. And this is like back almost when the inception of this, that, that site happened, right? It was like 2019. And one of the best articles that site ever had um, at the time, was Jerry Reinsdorf second is best. And that is the title of the article. And it was basically uh, former former Marlins executive David Sampson on Dan Lebitard's podcast, Circulated Chicago Sports Twitter. And Jerry Reinsdorf is basically saying, finish in second place every single year because your fans will say, wow, we got a shot. We're in it. But there's always the carrot left because he's always dangling the carrot in front of the rabbit. That's a, that a guy said that he said that he should lose the teams for that shit. I don't know exactly.
0: who's more dumb him for saying it or us for still blindly following. Well, I don't know. Let me, let me throw this out to you guys. Isn't it to you? Isn't this nuts? And I, I want to hear drew European and I, I, your opinion too, buzz. Like this is a guy who owned a team that won six championships. He knows what winning can do in terms of the bottom line. I think that's what is frustrating as hell, because you saw the success, you saw the money coming in in the '90s from the Chicago Bulls. They became a global entity. How are you not trying to how, how are you not trying to win? But you know you also think and and I'm kind of you know, thinking of this too, as, as as I'm asking this question, you know they did do it on the cheap for four of those championships. Because if you think about it, Michael Jordan <laughs> was severely underpaid. Scotty Pippen was severely underpaid. The highest paid player at one point was Tony Kukoc in 1996. Oh my God. And, you know, if you think about this, like going into 97, 98, he signs Michael Jordan for 30 plus million a season those years. And he even said to Michael, I'm going to regret this when he signed under those deals. So I guess this has always just been who Jerry Reinsdorf is, but how do you not notice the, the amount of money you can make trying to set up A consistent sustainable winner I don't understand that for the life of me I'm curious what you guys think of that I'll actually start with you Drew since you've been kind of quiet because Buzz and I have been ranting so
1: I don't even I mean I asked Buzz that question earlier about you know how does he balance his fandom knowing the ownership situation and I asked that because I'm kind of working through it myself I just turned 40 you know this month so I'm kind of like I went to that period of time when I was a kid watching these 90s Bulls and Jordan and Pippen just dominating and watching the the Sox. I kind of stopped watching baseball for a long time, man, after the, the strike and what was that, 93
2: or 94? Yeah, that's when the Sox were good, too. Yeah,
1: I got really emotionally connected to that team and, you know, the Frank Thomases and Black Jack Medals of the world, the Wilson uh, Alvarez of the world, and I just kind of lost me with that strike, but just now, thinking about how how they kind of I know you said that they they were seventh in spending this past year. Mm-hmm. The Sox were just thinking about how they how he hamstrings at least one of his teams. We could say he hamstrings the Bulls a little bit. Um, but then I kind of think about it. Maybe is is since the Jordan era is he looking at his own teams and and questioning like are we seeing the lack of money he's spending or the lack of a willingness to go into the luxury tax is that representative of how he feels about his team's best player. Like I'm not going into the tax for such and such, you know, he did it one time, you know,
2: that would be the, see, that's why I love you. That would be the greatest question to ask him. And seriously, would it not? Matt, would it not be a great question to ask him? Like, Hey man, do you believe are you not doing this because you don't believe because now we're having a different conversation if that's the case. You're having a different conversation if that's the case. It, how would you how could you be mad at that? Like this guy ain't gonna do it. Like Zach Levine, he ain't gonna do it, or or DeMar Dore, he ain't gonna do it. And I'm not investing into this. Okay, well, damn. I guess you <laughs> kinda got me there. What do I say? It's not my money.
0: Yeah. Well You know, it's interesting because you were you were talking about the, the hamstringing of the White Sox. Like, and I, I get it, they're seventh in, in payroll, but if you really think about it. He kind of hamstrings them in other parts of the organization though. Like some of the the savings happens within scouting and within oh, that's a great point. and within and with health and medical. Oh, and, we and we can talk about, about that all day. Well, and that that's what I was going to say and, and think about this, that seems to follow the Chicago Bulls too. Mm-hmm. Like we might we seem to have an issue with knee injuries with the Chicago Bulls. At this point, aren't you saying you know we need to do a deep dive? We need to to spend money on doing a deep dive of the organization to see why does this consistently happen to the Chicago Bulls? Who are we sending them to for rehab? Who are we sending them to in terms of how they handle all of their uh, training in season, off season? Who are we sending them to do to conduct these surgeries? You know, we hear about Dr. Brian Cole all the fucking time. Well, is there something is there something wrong with? With what he's doing, and maybe he's great for for you and me, but is he good for professional athletes? Maybe not. Um, these are the kind of things that you got to wonder about. And there was a I remember a time before Gar Packs were let go when it came out that the Bulls were near the bottom of the NBA in terms of of spending on player development and the front office. So that's kind of consistent with Jerry Reinsdorf. It really so, is. So I mean. It, it does sound like that kind of you know it, it's it's kind of cutting corners and thinking you can kind of get away with it by you know making a couple of of key acquisitions here and there and there but not really kind of building everything to to get to that level of sustainability. It's like they're operating as if we're the '90s in both sports and they haven't evolved to 21st century. Oh, that,
2: that that's, that's really totally cool, fair. Man. Yeah, that that's that's probably the best I've ever heard that actually put, because I I feel like he does that. I mean, think about how hard he fights with the unions and all that stuff when the CBAs come up. I mean, Jerry has been a guy named a million times about, no, I'm not paying this guy that. I'm not paying them this. Are you nuts? You know, and I think Jerry, I mean, think about it. He was spoiled. He didn't have Michael Jordan drafted. He bought the Bulls after that. He bought the Bulls after Jordan was already here. So he inherited the greatest basketball player of all time. And everybody sitting here right now knows that as much as I love them, and I think that they're one of the best teams ever, but the 2005 White Sox were lightning in a bottle, man. Come on. No one thought they were going to win shit. Nobody. Nobody was lightning in a bottle, just like having Jordan and making all of that stuff happen. Um, Jerry, I think he's been jaded almost, if you think about it, because he inherited a goat. And the goat brought him success. So now he's probably just waiting for the other one. Unfortunately for him, he waited and he turned 87. You know, like, I mean, what are you going to do now? I mean, you, you waited too long, man. Like it, when our and Mark Eversley got here, they didn't really even have an analytical department. You know, and I mean, I've talked about that before on Bulls on Tap. You can like the numbers, but when people use the numbers too much in their arguments, Like, when you're telling me, like, for example, like, well, this guy shoots 72% at the rim. Should do it every time. No shit, Sherlock. Don't you think he wants to do it every time? You know, like, what are you talking about? Like, it's not going to work because you can't do it every time. It doesn't work that way. It's just like in baseball. Like, you can't throw a slider 99% of the time because you're eventually going to get figured out. You got to mix it up. That's what makes the good players, the good players, you know, but even still, if you have a strong analytical department, they can help tell people that, or even go and find players that are on the brink of being very good, you know, and he didn't, he's never invested into that. And again, like, I don't want to throw the whole blame on Jerry for everything. I think that he's, I think he sucks. I think that he is, he's a selfish billionaire. And maybe if I was selfish, I'd be a billionaire too. So maybe he's doing it right. And I'm the idiot here. But as far as being publicly accepted and getting the best out of what he has, he's never done that. And I, I tell you what, when they made the move for Acme, dude, I again, I was head over heels. I couldn't believe it. Not because I had some deep hatred for garpacks but I knew they were in his back pocket. And then you have this Arturus guy come in who talks like a goddamn robot. And I'm like, no one's controlling him. He's programmed different. And then now the same shit's happening. You know, I don't know what else to do. Like, it just, now I'm just along for the ride, get to talk with my boys about basketball, drink a couple beers, and we're just going to see what happens. You know, I, every Jerry team is terrible. Then you have the McCaskies with the Bears. I'm not even going to get into that shit. I I can't handle it, dude. And I'm I'm getting sad all over again. (laughs) I
0: I will say, I'm just going to say one thing actually about McCaskies and Bears. I'll give them credit for this you made a good move bringing in maybe a forward-thinking team president. And I, I do want to see how that goes. I'll let, the, I'll let that unfold a little bit. I more love that because guy. Because now, you know, you bring that in, and, and now you're trying to play with the big boys. That's what that signals to me. So, you know, and, and, and that'll be an interesting test case because you went from an ownership group that operated like mom and pop that for some some reason saw the light at one point, potentially. I don't want to put the cart before the horse. Let's let it play out a little bit. But maybe that'll give us some encouragement. If we see that start to happen with the Chicago Bears, I think I'll start feeling good about. All right, maybe at some point, the light just turns on. I was, off. I, I don't know if it will happen with Jerry. It might have to happen with Michael. With Michael Ryan. I believe in Michael. I got to talk to Michael,
2: and it was really cool. You know, I so last year at the playoff game, um, I got to sit in a box, and because you know our our good friend Brooksy worked at the time for the bulls he did tickets and that's how we bought our season tickets me and juice um and then i didn't get the playoff tickets because you know they were an astronomical amount of money and it was just like i'm not doing that i was gonna watch on tv whatever it's fine so brooksy brings us we sit in a box for a game i'm walking up there and sure as shit there's michael reinsdorf and i'm like and you know juice is like oh my god he's probably got security with him like, i don't give a shit i'm gonna go talk to him you know like i want to talk to him and i went up to he is the coolest guy and he really loves basketball. And that is what I got out of him. Now, I don't know if I'm a terrible judge of character, which is, I might've been drinking, so it's like totally fair here, but he seemed like a really cool dude who wants to win. So, you know, I, I don't know who's still signing checks and who's doing all that, but it has been heavily rumored for a long time that Michael is making the decisions for the Chicago Bulls. It's been heavily rumored. Jerry is still involved with his baby, which is the White Sox which for love of, for love of me, I'm not really sure why, but it is, he He loves baseball. So um, I, I think that Michael will be a good owner. I just don't know if he's handcuffed. I mean, he seems like a really good guy for a guy who has a billion dollars just to talk to, you know, a bearded tattooed weirdo with, with the Miller light in his hand. I mean, you know, I got to give him a little props there.
1: We're kind of switching back and, and looking back at these bulls and what's going on with them and the rest of the season, they, they've got a game, Tuesday night, very important game, mm-hmm. against the Raptors, um, with the season series on the line, uh, with a win they can get within, I think, a half game yeah. of Toronto, plus the season series win. Speak to tomorrow night's game, and just your outlook for the rest of the season in terms of what you're looking for, what you expect, knowing that you know, you kind of wanted things to go a different way.
2: If they're going to try to go for it, dude, and if they're legitimately going to do this and and try to compete and try to make it happen, I want to see development out of Io DeSumo and Patrick Williams off the second unit. That is the thing that I'll be watching the most. If they're going to continue going Beverly and Caruso in the starting lineup, I want the excuses for Patrick Williams to stop. That bench is his. He is the most talent on that bench. Who, who Who's more talented than him? If, uh, skill or not skill wise, but I mean, just body, you know, like he's the most athletic guy. He, he's got the most hype around him. I want to see him take the bench over. I want to see that happen. I want to see very good Patrick Williams. I don't want to see I scored five points. And then you have somebody on Twitter come and tell me that I'm too fucking hard on him. No, I'm not. He was the fourth pick in the 2020 NBA draft and a couple players that went after him should have been here. He took a chance on him. Show me. That's what I want to see. I'm open-minded to Pat. I wanted to trade him last year, Drew. You and I talked to that, about that a million times for so that Jeremy Grant deal. I, dude, that was almost toaster bath night when we didn't do it. I'm dead ass. I almost threw a toaster in the bath. I was done. You know, I was done. I was pissed because I thought Jeremy Grant might, you know, really take us over the edge. But that is really what I want to see, Drew and Matt. I want to see the development of the young guys because I know they're not winning a title. I know that. So if that is the second most important thing to me is these young guys like Dalen Terry, Patrick Williams, Io DeSumo, run, make it happen. Let's see what you guys can do because you're trying to compete and they need to be good for them to compete. It can't be just the starters. They need a solid team all around. They're not good enough just to be carried. Everybody needs to play their part. So if we get a good bench showing out of those three guys, that's what I'm looking for, man. That's what I'll be watching.
0: All right, so real quick, Buzz, and, and this was a great conversation. We had a great time. Um, oh, yeah, I love you. When, hey, I, I love you, man. Thanks. I love you.
2: I love hey, you, bro. Love you, boy. But you
1: already know, man. You already knew, know.
2: You're, oh, you'll always be my brother.
0: <laughs> so where? Uh, just let the listeners know, where can they find you on Twitter? Where can they uh, read all your stuff? Just give uh, them all the details.
2: You can find Drew and I's articles over at OnTapSportsNet.com um you can follow me on twitter at buzz on tap and if you're into baseball socks on tap is now starting uh spring, you know in spring training so you can check that out and then if you want the basketball stuff um at and they're just post games usually um every once in a while we'll do an episode but usually post game every night right after the bulls game at bulls on tap on twitter
0: fantastic well buzz thanks for coming on and we'll make sure to have you on in, in the not so distant future. Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, if they win tomorrow and you guys want to come on the podcast, just let me know. I'll send you guys a link to the stream yard. We'll get it popping.
1: Hey, awesome. what's, uh, what, what's that pickle juice bet now? How many games is
2: it? See, I'd I, I'd be switching it a lot. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I keep messing it up. But I think now now I had them getting back to 500, but then Keith gave me some sort of stipulation that I cannot remember, but I'm pretty sure they had a string a couple wins in a row. But I messed up bad, dude, because I'm not going to the store until Sunday, but I bought pickles, but they were spicy or zesty. And my wife said, these are hot. So I I don't really, I don't really fuck with pickles too much. And I ate one, it was hot. So now I got to drink that hot ass pickle juice if they win a couple games in a row. And I'm I'm tweaking, dude. I'm going to throw up on the camera, dude. I'm going to throw up in front of everybody. It's going to be embarrassing that's going to be, but I'm a man of my word. I got to do it.
0: All right, listen, listeners. Go check that out if it doesn't. <laughs> no, no, no. Make sure leave. you record it. Yes, and we can always repost that on social media too. Awesome. All right, Buzz. Take care, man. And uh, like we said, have you on the soon, okay, man?
2: Absolutely. Thanks for the opportunity, guys. Love talking with you.
0: Same here. Thanks, Buzz.
2: Yep. Later, guys.
0: All right. Always good, like I said, to have Buzz on. Always entertaining. And you know, I want to get your thoughts, Drew, as we we wrap up here with this Patrick Beverly experience, you know, we're kind of saying that mockingly, but there has been a positive effect, of course, in the last two games. Do you think this actually lasts, or are we just going to eventually kind of go back to where things were with the Bulls prior to the All-Star break?
1: So I think it's somewhere in between. I don't don't think they'll go undefeated the rest of the way, Uh, but I also don't think they'll necessarily play as poorly as they did going into the All-Star break. I think they kind of fall somewhere in between. Um, I do think they'll get into the play-in, just not quite sure if it'll be as a ninth seed or or a tenth seed. Um, I really wish that this team could have had Patrick Beverly in the beginning of the season rather than, you know, for the remainder of, of the portion of the schedule that's left. I really would have liked to have seen the effect that he could have had over more of a long-term uh, sample size. What, what do you see? What do you see happen in these next 21 games I think it is now?
0: So I don't want to cop out and say I agree with you, but I, I do agree with you. Uh, I think it is going to be somewhere in the middle, but I think they will naturally regress. You make an acquisition like this, and, and I had said this when the rumblings happened with Russell Westbrook, John Wall, and then with Patrick Beverly, you're probably going to get that initial pop where you go on a bit of a run. Uh, things kind of settle down a bit, but I do think things sort of regress back to the mean. And you know, they'll probably have moments where we're going to pull our hair out again. Um, but I do think with that initial pop, it will get them back into this like play in range again. And um, I wouldn't be surprised if, if by the end of the season, they are in the play-in, probably at nine or 10. And, you know, I, I think the reaction will kind of be the same uh, when the season ends is where it was probably right around the trade deadline. So um, yeah. And, you know, honestly, like, in the long term, I think we have to kind of have a critical eye on this thing, anyway. So, um, no, not not to put a damper on anything. And you know, I, I'd say this: we, let's enjoy it in the moment. If, if we see this kind of continue and it and it keeps going in a positive direction, then we can reassess things. We always have the right to change our mind. I kind of get tickled when people stick to a take. So I'm always willing to change my mind. I know we've heck, we've changed our mind throughout the course of the season.
1: Yeah, to your point, you know, although we've talked about how we maybe would have liked to have seen this thing kind of pivot toward saving this season's or this summer's draft pick. It has been fun these last two games um, watching this team. Obviously winning is the root cause of that. But, um, you know, it's always fun to watch this team win and, and, and compete at a, at a high level. But like you said, it does kind of it's, – it's two different things we're looking at, you know, in terms of this short term and what we believe to be a very, very low ceiling for what they can accomplish the rest of this season as opposed to, you know, what could have been. And maybe that's, you know, that's for us to kind of let go of and and, you know, we can't control what – the Ryan's door spin. We can't control how this roster is put together. We can only kind of react to it and, and go from there. So it is what it is. I think kind of in that same vein, it was funny to me that a lot of people were kind of lamenting the fact that Billy Donovan took Patrick Williams out of that starting lineup. But in one instance, I thought that was something that a lot of people were clamoring for, for him to get out of that starting group, get away from, the trio of Nikola Vucevic, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan and be able to get more on-ball reps and have more responsibility and possibly a higher usage rate. So I I think that um, that's one of the advantages of him moving to that, that bench unit, seeing what he can do with these opportunities that should come his way.
0: Yeah. It was interesting to kind of see that reaction. Uh, And I've been saying like, after we've kind of seen that inconsistent play from Patrick Williams that you know, just having that ability to, to be in a rotation or a part of the rotation where he can get more opportunities with the ball and more opportunities to be aggressive. I, I feel like there's a, there's a benefit to that. Now, would you like at some point him to have that aggression and and accomplish that with that big three? Sure. But, you know, let's kind of look back here. He hasn't had that experience of getting a lot of reps prior to the arrival of the big three. Right. And, you know, he got hurt very early on in season two. So, you know, he's kind of, he still needs, I think like that ability to kind of play with maybe some of those younger guys even and get that, that chance to kind of have an opportunity to flourish. So that that's why I kind of like this. And, you know, the only thing where you kind of, you kind of cringe at like the way the starting lineup looks. It, it's literally four guards and Nikola Vucevic. You know, I, I love Alex Caruso and I do think he plays up to guys that are bigger than him and is able to be at least a bit of a, a disruptor, but you know, that that's a lot to ask and you just hope you get to a point where, um, you know, when they do have uh matchup issues that they can find ways to, to pivot quickly. Um, you know, whether that's bringing Andre Drummond in earlier into those situations or, you know, bringing Patrick Williams into the game uh, in in those situations, whoever, like you have to be able to react to that. Um, but I guess it's kind of been an issue for the Bulls all year. They really haven't had somebody to lock down that four position consistently. So um, I, I guess, you know, and if if that's the case, just go with the best five you can put out on the floor that that gel together.
1: Yeah. And if, playing or playoff contention is still this team teams or this organization's goal. You gotta, you gotta go, you gotta go. Cause you, you know, there's so much time that for lack of a better word was wasted. You know, you have no room for error. Now you have to, to get these wins. You can't let up and what better way to help your cause than to put two very, very highly skilled um, defensive guys in that rotation to kind of complement what the big three is supposed to be doing offensively.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you said the, about that goal from the organization. Well, right now where things set after the last two wins, the bulls are a half game back of the wizards for that 10th spot in the play-in and they're one and a half back of the Raptors and they're about to face off against the Raptors. So it should be an interesting stretch of games here. For the chicago bulls so um where can you find us well you can find me on twitter at m 88 you can find drew stevens at look what drew did you can find the rebuildable podcast at rebuild underscore a underscore Bowl. that's where you can find all of our latest episodes we you know retweet each other from that channel and also you know tweet any interesting things we find um you also can find us on all your favorite streaming platforms. And this is really important because we usually have in our, our closing bumper our outro with music. Um, we usually give you all the places you can find us. And, and I'm going to reiterate that now um, because like I mentioned, I'm a bad producer. I am without the, the intro and outros for this episode. So you can find us on all the major streaming platforms. That's Spotify, Apple podcasts, Google, stitcher uh you can find us on tune in you can find us on wherever okay all the major streaming platforms were available on them so listen subscribe if you subscribe you get that episode quickly into your feed the day it gets posted so that's always a good thing uh quickly drew final thought
1: i am pleased with what's been going on still a little bit skeptical but anxious to see where this thing goes
0: I'm anxious like you, too. I can't wait to see what's coming because it's just, hey, you know what? At the end of the day, it's, it's still very entertaining with what's going on. So with Drew Stevens, I'm Matt Gentile, and we'll catch you next time.